This is Dion Grant from the New York Giants Super Bowl champ, and you're watching Real Fans Real Talk. Let's get into some things. Will can join us as we get it going. Uh, let me make sure I share it over to the group chat. As always, man, shout out for the love of the game. Group chat. Uh, sending your questions, sending your comments, as we always do. But you got it in the background. Hold on. Right. As we always say, man, you know, anybody got questions, comments, send them in, man. It's a collaborate, a collaboration uh, of the Sanchez Show and Real Fans Real Talk. As always, got my main man, Trip Young, with me. It's Legend of Two Games, Eric Sanchez. Trip, what's going on, bro? Oh, man, I, I can't complain. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a pretty good week, you know? I can't complain. I'm ready to get to it. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, this is kind of a down week in terms of sports because we had the All-Star voting, which we kind of talked about a little bit last week. The NBA getting ready to go to All-Star game. We're a couple of days away from the trade deadline, so we might get into a little bit of trade talk. But obviously, shout out to Scoop B. Scoop's going to be joining us next week, right? Yes. So we're going to have a nice little On Real Fans Real Talk? Yes, sir. Right. Yes, yes sir. Yes, and sir. then, of course, it's media week uh, or leading up to media week. So we don't have much NFL to get into, but we do have a little bit of NFL news that we definitely got to talk about and we got to address. And I think you should kick this one off, Trip, um, because you're, you're New York Giants. They may have fumbled the ball on this one. News broke earlier this week. Brian Flores, who was the candidate for the job there, now is suing the league. He said the Giants had no intentions of hiring him. Uh, he said it was all a sham from the start. He released some text messages. So I want to get your opinion on that, man. What's going on with Brian Flores and specifically the New York Giants? Well, you already know I was pissed off from the jump once Brian Flores wasn't going to get the job. I was already pissed off behind that. So I can't I can't hold no punches uh, today. Uh, you know, if, if, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it might just be a duck in this scenario. Um, this ain't the first time that, you know, we felt like, you know, cats are just being brought in. When I say, I mean, minority, excuse me, minority uh, head coaching candidates are just being brought in for, for the show um, just to uh, appease the requirements of the Rooney rule. Um, but they're but they not really intending on giving these minority candidates a legitimate shot at actually getting a head coaching job. Um you know, so it, it it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. You know, I mean, we 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 got we got guys, men and women, getting exposed all the time, in regards to you know how they really feel, you know, with certain with certain uh, race issues and, and whatnot. And you know, unfortunately, I just think this is this is another case, uh, you know, where you know the good old boys club is they're not trying to let us in. As much as we've proven, um, you know, what was it going back? You know, just in, if you want to just rewind, go into the history of time, we couldn't play quarterback, we couldn't play middle linebacker, 
You know what I mean? There's certain positions on the field that they said that, you know, minorities couldn't play. But then once you actually prove, with you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you have to let these guys play because this is actually the future, then you kind of realize that the business of it is really I need to win in order to make money and to continue the growth of my franchise. So I can't sit back and say, well, I'm not going to draft this player or that player because they're not, you know, wasps. You know what I mean? So you actually you actually have to. But when it comes down to general managers, head coaches, assistant coaches, it's not the same because there's no – there's no physical, you know. There's no there's no physicality to, to, to those roles. That's just you know you, you, you on the sidelines coaching whatever you do. Obviously, there's a mental aspect to it. You know, you, you have to be a teacher, but it's not the same as actually being on the field. You don't have to be the the best physical specimen to be a GM, to be a head coach, to be an offensive or defensive coordinator. So now those are the areas where yeah, we can kind of say. I don't want you up in here. I want somebody that looks like me up in here, and you can kind of control that. And that's what we've been seeing pretty much since the NFL has been in existence. Yeah, I think it is another case of that as well. And you touched on a point that that we kind of highlighted before with uh, minority head coaches and, more importantly, minority front office uh, execs. And I think that's where the change really needs to take place. I mean, no disrespect to the Rooney rule, but the Rooney rule hasn't worked. I mean, there are less black head coaches now than they were when the Rooney rule came into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but where the change really needs to take place for me anyway is in the front office, because if we get more minority general managers and presidents of football operations, then that will open up the opportunities for everyone else to come in, uh, whether it be on a coaching side, scouting side, whatever it may be. Um, but in terms of Brian Flores, it's a gift and a curse. So I think we all applaud it because he's exposing what we already knew and what we already thought of the Rooney rule and, and some of the hiring practices. But the curse of it is we know he's never going to coach in the NFL again. He's officially now on the same list as Colin Kaepernick. You know what I'm saying? He's never going to get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame because he is a good, a very good head coach, uh, paid his dues 15 years as an assistant, you know, worked his way up through the Patriot organization. And he deserved every right to be interviewed as a legitimate candidate, not as a token black candidate for a giant job for the Giants. I think it's it's just been a, a you know, a terrible sequence of events for the Giants for, for quite some time now. They really haven't been able to hold on to a head coach for more than two years, ever since Coughlin left. Um, you bring in a new GM. I, I don't understand this this unwavering support of Daniel Jones uh, so publicly for a guy who's done nothing for the franchise, nothing for the organization anyway. And then you claim you're having an open search for the head coach. We kind of thought it might be one of the Buffalo guys once we knew that the GM was coming from over there in Buffalo. We just didn't think it was going to play out in this way because you and I both were excited when, when they were going to give Flores the interview. So for the Giants, it's, it's terrible PR, man. And it's something that's got to be fixed, something that's got to be cleaned up within the organization. But I think both of us fear the same result, that nothing changes as long as the complexion of those making the decisions don't change. Yeah. If it's the same people making the decisions, nothing's ever going to change, man. Yeah. And, and you know what? The, the, the crazy thing about it in this particular situation is it's probably more of a nepotism is not really the word for it, but 
it's kind of comparable. So basically, it's more of the GM that you're hiring is saying, all right, y'all want me, I'll come, but you're going to have to take one of my guys along with me. And then, you know what I mean? You have the situation where, all right, but we got, we still have to interview a couple of minority candidates, even though you kind of could be putting the pressure on us to say, listen, I want one of my guys there. So then it it, it kind of could change things a little bit to where it's not, in this particular situation, more so about the race than the um, someone bringing in some an, another guy along with him that would then take over that spot that could have potentially went to, to Brian Flores. As opposed to them just saying, now nah, we don't want him because he's a black kid coach. Because I, I don't think in, in this situation it's it's that necessarily. It could be. But I think I think with this one, it's, it's more so, more of the GM wanting to bring in one of his guys. It could, right. I think and it and that been, goes back to the, the original point, right? So It could have been any coach that got the shot. No, no, go ahead. Finish up on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it could have been. So I just in this particular situation, it could have been it could have been where any coach could have got the shaft. It just so happens that the coach that got the shaft is a black coach. So now it kind of looks like, well, hold on. We gotta we gotta rethink this because, you know, does this automatically turn into a race thing? Or is it the GM that you hired said it's basically gave you a stipulation of, all right, you want me, that's fine, but you got to take one of my guys too, the coach, because I need somebody here that I can trust as a coach. And, of course, if, if, if I'm going in, if they call me to be the GM and and you my my my, my offensive coordinator, I'm going to say, yo, all right, I'm going to come. Y'all want me, but you got to bring Eric too. You know what I mean? So that, that also plays into it in this particular situation. Not saying that, you know, the, the qualified black candidates for head coaches don't get passed over, but in this particular situation, I think it's it, it's more of a the GM had someone that he wanted to bring in, and when you want me and you come in to, to me, you're going to have to give me a little bit more. But the flip side of that, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, it, you know, when you compare those situations to – Another uh, potential black head coach in Byron Leftwich and went with down with Jacksonville, it kind of everything kind of ties back in full circle. Right. So the the Giants situation, and you're right, and that's the other side of the argument or the, the conversation as well, where it's about relationships, right? So if I get on, I'm going to put my man on. Yes. You know, so Buffalo's assistant GM gets the GM job. I'm sure behind closed doors, as he's finalizing his deal, he's letting Brian Dave know, like, look, if you want it, the job is yours. All you got to do is come to New York. Yeah. You could be the head coach. You know what I'm saying? So, but that goes to my point of that's why there needs to be more minorities in the front office. Because I personally, I think that's the only way we're going to see more opportunities for black and brown head coaches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For all the nonsense that's going on in Washington, they have a front office with a, Black president of football operations, uh, Hispanic head coach. They have the first woman as part of their, their executive staff. Mm -hmm. So there's a little more diversity there. But again, that's about opening the door for the next person to come through it. If I'm an owner and I'm white and I hire a president or a GM who's white, nine times out of ten, the head coach we're going to hire is going to be white as well. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's got to be a little more diversity to give opportunity. Now, in terms of Byron Leftwich, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Leftwich was trying to pull a power play. 
he basically was trying to leverage how much the Jaguars wanted him into getting Adrian Wilson a job, former player, now turned executive. We talked about it a little bit before in previous episodes. I like the move by Byron Leftwich, but it doesn't look like it's worked out because we're getting news now that Doug Peterson, former Eagles coach, is going to get the job down in Jacksonville. What's your thoughts on that one? So, and then, again, because I remember I said everything is tied in full circle. So, in one situation with the Giants uh, bringing in the former Bills assistant GM to be be the GM, he probably flexes a little bit of his muscle and says, all right, well, I want one of my guys with me. Now we see the reverse of that with the head coach trying to flex his muscle, you know what I mean, and trying to use his leverage to bring in somebody to be the GM, which, again, I love. It doesn't always work out that way. And one thing that, you know, we have to realize is as minorities, we don't always, especially in this business, we don't always get the same slack that our white counterparts get. So, say here you see a situation, like I said, um, with with the Giants, where you know the Giants could have looked at that and said, "Hold up, what? Nah, we not. We want we we had our eyes on Brian Flores as the head coach. I think he's a great candidate. You're gonna have to work around that. And if that's not something you're comfortable with, then we'll find another GM. You could also they could have came at him like that." Didn't work that way. But now you come back around to the Jaguars. Brian left Brian Leftwich is like, all right, well, you guys want me. I want Adrian Wilson to be the GM. I want somebody in here that I feel like I can trust that's gonna have my back and that I, I think is gonna he's gonna be a a great builder of this franchise and, and, and drafting the right pieces, making the right trades, signing the right free agents. Oh, the Jaguars flex their power and went in and, and hired Doug Peterson to be the to be the head coach. Now, when I talk about we don't have the same amount of slack, take a guy like Josh McDaniels, literally accepted a head coaching job, and then backed out and went back to the Patriots. But guess what? He just got a new coaching job just now, right? We don't have we don't have that same leeway that our white counterparts have. So yeah, <coughs> you know, you everything you think everything is cool. You Byron Leftwich, you you've been a part of the organization as a player for a long time because I think like eight eight years something like that in Jacksonville. How long was he in was he in Jacksonville? For, for, he spent he spent yeah he spent close to eight years there, majority yeah, of his career of his there career before he went there. to uh, Pittsburgh, I believe, for a season or two. Yeah, so I'm sure there's some ties, you know, still within the organization. You know what I mean? But when you think you got that type of power, that that leverage, you think you could cut? Nah, you don't have that. We don't, you know, what I'm saying we don't always have that, especially not in this business when the cards are so, the chips are so stacked so much in in the favor of our white counterparts because they pretty much control everything because they own everything in the NFL. Every this this point point zero five percent minority ownership in the NFL, so you know what I mean. We don't have the same the same leeway that our white counterparts do, so we have to keep that in mind. So if you're Byron Leftwich, it's like, yeah, that's dope. I, I I respect the hell out of that. The fact that you was trying to bring your brother on, who is qualified, you know what I mean, to do the job. It's not like you just bringing somebody off the street to do this job. You bringing somebody in who's also qualified, but it don't always work out that way because we don't have that same. If the playing field ain't even, it ain't been even. It's not even now, and it ain't gonna be even no time soon because it's such a disparity. 
So I love the move by Byron Leftwich, and, and no matter the result, I still like the idea of doing that. Because as you said, I'm going to a terrible organization. I need somebody who's going to have my back. Absolutely. I need a general manager that I know is going to build this team in the in the shape that I want it to be built. Uh, for Shad Khan, who is that minority owner, right? He is uh, the only minority owner in the NFL. I think this is a, a, a pivotal moment in his ownership and in the franchise because I think Byron Leftwich is a special coach. And I think Byron Leftwich would have been the perfect guy to groom Trevor Lawrence. I've been saying that for weeks. I thought he should have been the guy even before they mentioned him. Now you bring in Doug Peterson. I'm not a fan of Doug Peterson, to be honest. I don't think Doug Peterson really did much in Philly. I think he got more credit for their success than he should have. Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator. Frank Wright was the play caller there. The moment Frank Wright left, the Eagles stopped making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously Carson Wentz went completely downhill. Not to say he was much better with the Colts, but – he was terrible with the Eagles for the for the past two and a half seasons. Someone that was so having an MVP now you're rewarding a guy like Doug Peterson. He was having an MVP season under Frank Wright's tutelage and guidance. Yes, and then com- kind of fell off a cliff the moment Frank Wright went to Indianapolis. So we're rewarding Doug Peterson now for a Super Bowl that he may not have even really been the architect of. He may have just been the face of of, of what was going on. But what Frank Wright was doing with that offense is what really made him special. Because remember, I mean, we can't overlook the fact they won a Super Bowl with the backup quarterback. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Frank Wright's play, call, play calling. That's that's him scheming things up to work with that with the unit that they had. Yep. So for me, Shad Khan, this could be one of those moments that we look back and say, this is where it just completely went left in Jacksonville. You got drafted number one. You got Trevor Lawrence, who was supposed to be the the can't miss prospect. The 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 easiest number one selection since Andrew Luck is what everybody called it. You had a chance to bring in the head coach who could mold them. And instead you got scared off by potentially bringing in a black general manager. So I think this could be one of the moments we look back in a couple of years and say that changed things. Um, a, a, a funniest situation. Cause we talk about Brian Flores. One of the things that's in his lawsuit, he, he mentioned that he was bribed to lose some games. Now he didn't lose many. Because he, he, he competed with that roster he had. Hugh Jackson, though, in Cleveland, said he was made the same offer. Now, for people that don't know, Hugh Jackson was only in Cleveland about three seasons. He only won three games in the three years he was there. So he did a lot of losing. Trip, what was your reaction when you heard Hugh Jackson's uh, comments about being paid to lose in Cleveland? He made a lot of money. That's my first thought, is he made a lot of money, because that was a lot of losses. (laughs) He got 100K per loss? Yes. That's a lot of money, you know what I'm saying, plus your salary. Um, Again, bro, it it doesn't surprise me. Um, You know, because the success of your franchise in most scenarios, outside of New York. Cali, depending on where at in Cali, Texas maybe, where your brand and, and your franchise is contingent on winning. Unless, you know, it comes time to when draft time comes around and you already know you don't have that team, then it's like now it's contingent on losing so that we can win in the future because we need to tank. We need to have a, the worst record in football because, again, there's no lottery in football. It, the number one pick in the draft automatically goes to the team with the worst record in football. So, again, it still comes back to winning because in order to win, we got to lose so we can get a high draft pick, 
draft the, the next uh, Patrick Mahomes, the next Brady, the next Ray Lewis, the next whoever. You know what I mean? So it doesn't surprise me that that would go down. Um, I'm sure out of all the things that owners and teams have done, I'm pretty sure that's probably not the worst thing <laughs> that, that's gone down behind the scenes. So no, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't shock me. Um it it does it does look bad though on I honestly it's, for me I think it looks worse on Hugh Jackson that you took the money and and decided to lose games as opposed to you know the owners for paying you, you know, to 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 lose those games. I think it looks looks worse on Hugh Jackman plus now, you know, 3 years you won 3 games. Who's trying to hire you after that? You already like you already got one strike against you because you're a minority head coach, so you already got that strike going against you. Now you in three years you because usually coaches don't even be don't don't even get that they don't get past two years. We just saw uh, Mills and 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 the Texans get the boot after one year, and everybody knew that the Texans were going to be horrible this season. So you know what I mean? We already knew you basically were a sitting duck coach. Because we knew they were going to be horrible. We put you in there. We didn't have Deshaun Watson. We'd already given up Hopkins in the past. We let J.J. Watt go. They gave up all the draft picks. So we knew this was going to be a horrible situation. He only got a year. You got three years. All you got in them three years was three wins. Who is coming around back around to hire you as a head coach after that? Yeah, but, yeah, but I, first of all, I think, Hugh, I think Hugh is kind of full of it, to be honest. Um First off, the Browns were bad, so I'm not I'm not going to make it seem like they had a chance of really winning anything while he was there. They were bad. But you're telling me that the whole time you were there, you intentionally lost games and you went three and 36. Like, there's no way your pride, your pride would have kicked in at some point. And like, now nah, we got to win a couple games, even even if we win just three this season, you know, three yeah. games in three years, you win in one game per season. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is. Don't come, don't come out now and talk about what you were bribed to do and, and oh, they were paying us to lose. Did you cash the checks? Because yeah. if you cash the checks, you participated in it. So you can't now play victim and make it seem like, oh, my, my whole coaching regime there was sabotaged. Nah, if you was cashing them checks on Tuesday, because that's when the NFL is payday, yeah. if you was cashing them checks, then I don't want to hear none of that. Brian Flores, now on the other hand, has a legitimate argument because Brian Flores is winning games. Yeah. So Brian Flores has every right to be like, "Yo, how dare you ask me to lose when I'm out here with 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 the some of the players you got me with, and I'm out here finding a way to win nine games every year." Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Hugh? I mean, you you telling me Hugh? You like you said you wasn't good enough to maybe get three wins in one season. It took you three seasons to get those three wins. I'm not buying that, man. And in terms of in terms of tanking, yeah, yeah, they they did. They end up getting uh, Baker, and then Hugh had Baker and got fired because he wasn't starting Baker. Remember, he was starting Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) He wasn't starting Baker. And we see how that turned out. I don't know what Hugh is. is, Yeah, I I, I mean, not that not to say that Baker's been great, but Baker's first year, I think he won like five games as a starter. Yeah, but he's been on a decline now too. Right. So right, he's been on a decline. But it, I don't buy all that. And 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 another part too is this whole outrage over tanking. We got to stop. 
everybody knows that teams, when it gets down to that last month of the season, teams start to tank to position themselves in, in the draft. Happens in the NFL, happens in the NBA as well. NBA is a lot tougher because there's a lottery in place. But the NFL, teams position themselves. They'll let a guy sit out a week. They might they might change the play calling a little bit. Guy, everyone's trying to position themselves. Again, just last year, we were mad at the Jets for not losing more games so they can take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So let's not be surprised that owners is thinking the same thing. Owners are analyzing who's in the draft and like, yo, that dude right there is a star or that dude is a potential moneymaker. I would love to have him on my team. Yeah. So I'm not mad about that part. I'm just mad that there are people trying to pretend as if they were doing the job Brian Flores has been doing. And then like, oh, yeah, they paid me to lose too. No, no, it's different. Brian Flores was actually out there winning games yeah. in spite of his owner telling him to tank, yeah, right? <laughs> Brian Flores won nine games this year. He won 10 games last year. Yeah. Yeah. So in spite of his owner saying, I'll pay you 100000 he still was like, no, nah, I'm going to keep putting wins up. Absolutely. Hugh Jackson, on the other hand. You should have just stayed if, quiet. If he was on getting 100 grand per loss and you took them 36 losses. Yeah, he should have he should have stood quiet. And and that bank account should look nice because again, that's 36 losses at 100 grand a pop. He should be doing very well for himself at this point. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um again, shout out for the love of the game, man. We 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 live every Friday night. I don't think Will's gonna be able to join us tonight. Um, I hit him up earlier. We had spoke, but it's all good, man. We're gonna save it for next week. And next week, we're gonna give our Super Bowl predictions as well. We're gonna hold off on that. So make sure everybody tune in. Uh also. Trip, we got Scoop B coming up this week for some NBA trade deadline talk. Yes, sir. That's gonna. We be, already getting a little action though. We getting a little rumblings. Yeah, I seen that the, the Clippers made a move. We, uh, we got some rumblings going on. Norman Powell's on a move. And uh, Covington, they brought they brought in um, for the rookie kid, uh, Keon Johnson, and um, who's other two cats that they that they sent out. Was it was Keon Johnson? Uh, Eric, Eric. It was a five-player deal. I have to go through. Eric Bledsoe was the uh, was the other one. Eric Bledsoe's a part of the deal. Yep. And uh, Zubac, I believe it was. But um, but yes. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now just to take a look and see. Yeah, because don't don't quote me on that last one. I know it's definitely uh, Eric Bledsoe was in. It was Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, and yeah, uh, Covington and Powell going to the Clippers. Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, Justice and a pick going to Portland. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I mean, for the Clippers, this is more of a, a financial move because Norman Powell's extension just kicked in. Uh, I believe it was like a five-year, $90 million. So they, they were trying to move on from that contract uh, for Portland anyway, I'm saying. They were trying to move on for that. For the Clippers, they're trying to stay competitive. They're hoping that they can get their stars back by playoff time. Um well, but for the Trailblazers, the bigger question is, here, is this the first domino to fall? Kawhi, there's been rumors back and forth. There's some rumors that say he might be back for the playoffs. There's others that say he's going to sit out the whole year. I'm of the thinking that he's sitting out the whole year. I don't think he's coming back. Absolutely. But Right, right, because it's Kawhi. The, the history tells us that he's not going to rush back from any injury. Yeah. For Portland, though, is this the first move? Is this the first domino to fall before we start to see possibly CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard get traded? I mean, we got about we got about a week with six. No, we got six days left uh, until the actual trade deadline. Uh, I think that, I think Portland is definitely going to move a couple of more pieces um, before before the trade deadline passes. I don't know if it'll necessarily be Dame, but uh, Yusuf uh, Yusuf he might go. CJ might go. 
Um, you know what I mean? So I think they're definitely going to move a few more things out. They they have to. They have to blow up that team because we're talking about a team that's made the playoffs consistently and consistently gotten bumped out in the first round. They don't have a team that's built to go deep on a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, they've also been hit with huge injuries later in the seasons. But even even a, a fully healthy with this roster the way it is right now uh, at 100%, I still don't see them making out of the first round of the playoffs. So it's time. time. Time to start blowing things up. You know what I mean? You still have Dame under contract for, for, for a minute. But even with Dame, Dame is older. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to, if you're going to do something and keep Dame as long as you possibly can, you have to start making those moves right now. Yeah, I agree. Dame's got to come out and say he wants out. I think he's kind of one foot in, one foot out. He doesn't want to offend the the people of Portland, but I think it's time. I Dame, think it's time to move on. Dame I think it's time for him to actually play for a contender and get, get a shot at a ring. Get up out of there, Dame. Why you still can't listen? Uh, ask, ask Kevin Garnett if if he regret leaving Minnesota and going to Boston and getting his championship ring. Yeah. You know, like nah, bro. I'm sure Kevin Garnett would have said he would have he would have hoped he left three or four years earlier. Exactly, because then they, they might have had a little nice little run because they made the finals uh, two out of those three years. You know, but the one year Kevin Garnett got got uh, got hurt, they didn't they didn't make it. But yeah, I, you know, to, uh, ask LeBron. Will LeBron have wanted to stay in Cleveland with them not making no type of moves to help, or go to Miami and get them rings that he got? You know what I mean, and change his legacy forever. You know, nah, man, you got to, listen, You don't stick around and wait. Every, it's not going to always magically work out and you get into the, the twilight, you know, of your career like Dirk and you manage to, to stumble upon, a, a, you know, a ring. You want to you wanna get as many rings as you can at a young age and keep that, keep that thing going because it's not guaranteed that you're staying with that team and showing that loyalty is going to work. Now, if you got a, if you got a Kobe situation, Tim Duncan situation, a Dwayne Wade situation, where you're the, the cornerstone of a franchise and you guys started winning championships at an earlier age in your career, then you want to show that loyalty to the to the team that drafted you, by all means. But if y'all ain't winning, if it's looking like the, the, the GM can't get it together, the owners can't get it together, and now you 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 on year seven, year eight, year nine, it's time to get up out of there, man. You got, you got, you got, you got to manifest your own destiny at that point. Nah, I agree. I think it's time for Dame to go. We got to see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to that episode with Scoop, man. Uh, Trip, I know we're running short on time tonight, but before we do, let everybody know where they can see real fans, real talk, man. Plug everything in. Um, we're gonna keep doing this every Friday. I like this, man. I like this vibe. We're gonna get Will Gordon in next week as well. I've been having for the fun. Super Bowl picks. Um, we got to get Will on. Oh, even, yeah, yeah, yeah we're we gonna keep it rolling, man. But like I said, plug everything in for the people that might be catching us for the first time. Definitely. Before let me just let me just shout out Will though, because he did he did get that uh that that Bengals Chiefs game pick right. So I gotta shout him out on that. But me and Eric hit the W on the on the second game. So we still good. We still good in these streets. Um but yeah, man, as far as real fans, real talk goes, you guys can catch us every Thursday night from eight to nine PM. 
Uh, if you're in the New York City area on Verizon 43 throughout New York City, if not, you can watch uh, from the website realfansrealtalk.com from anywhere in the world. Just click that red button on the homepage and you can you can rock out with us. Um, if if you want to hit us up on social media, Instagram and Twitter is at realfantalk and uh, Facebook is facebook.com uh, forward slash realfansrealtalk. Um, but yeah, man, make sure you guys subscribe to the Sanchez Show podcast, the Real Fans Real Talk uh, podcast as well. We're on all the major streaming platforms, so you can't miss us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Again, we'll be back next Friday. Uh, the middle of the week, we're going to drop the episode with School B. Appreciate everybody who joined the group chat, man. We didn't get any questions tonight, but there was people that tuned in that was watching. Uh, a couple appreciate people actually y'all. shared it off their page as well, so I appreciate that, man. For my... For my main man, Trip Young, I am Legend in Two Games. We out of here, man. See y'all next Friday. Peace. Peace. Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Live from the camp. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought.